I should have mm-hmm. had I should have had uh, a guest on had I known that you had been up since three thirty yeah. in the morning. So you could, you could you could be you could be a connective playmaker on this episode. Yeah. Unlike Derek White, I play when my team needs me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had a baby. Grow up again. Love babies. Yeah, come on. Like, didn't he have right. a baby right when he got traded to the Celtics? Yeah, yeah. This it, guy. It, Crazy stat. He's missed um, three games for the Celtics. They were all for fucking. They were all for having kids. <laughs> like, so, okay, so he missed two games the first time, and this was the no, third game. No, he missed one game last time. He's missed two so far for this 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 child. So. Unbelievable. Well, well, Derek, yeah. I think the paternal leave is very important, and you should probably hold out on returning to <laughs> no, the Celtics. No, no. <laughs> At least until Thursday, I would say you gotta give, you gotta give, you know, you gotta have time with your family. Mm-hmm. You gotta kind of, you know, the look, the baby needs to get just as attached to the father as it does to the mother, I believe. So, Derek White, take it easy. Don't rush back. You know, t- take your time, bud. I I totally disagree. I think you know this is not you know w- what is a dad. A dad is nothing in the life of a child. They're like, they're orders of magnitude less important than a mother. And then, of course, the most important figure in a child's life, the uncle. Of course. Um, so, you know, they need to have uncle leave. But like dads, you know, whatever. They can just get in there and get out. All right. We got 36 people in here. If you are not watching live, you can watch every You Know Ball live that we do at the beginning of the week on playback, playback TV slash, you know, ball sign up now because that's how we're getting paid through playback this month is the more people that sign up, the more we get paid, the more people that watch hours on the playback, the more we get paid. So if you have not already join us for the live episodes on playback, join us for the live streams. Me and Sam will be streaming on Wednesday night for Sixers Celtics while Derek White is sitting out at home with his family. <laughs> and, and in addition to that, also, if you have not already signed up for the You Know Ball Patreon, if you have not, it's only $5 a month and up to get access to bonus episodes every week. Later in this week, we'll be doing a bonus episode. Also, you will get access to the You Know Ball Discord and a bunch of other cool stuff. So sign up if you have not already. And I see your comment, SH. Did I make my own list of the 25 best players under 25? The answer is no, I didn't have time today, but I'll do it for the Patreon episode. So if you want to hear my 25 uh, under 25 after we discuss this later in the episode, sign up for the Unoball Patreon and check that out later in the week. So Sam, what are you, what are you tapping into right now? I'm, I'm doing the Doctor Strange stupid uh, looking at all the paths um, uh, for tomorrow's game. There are exactly two outcomes for tomorrow's game. Okay. Um, a Celtics wire-to-wire blowout victory by 30, mm-hmm. or a close game that the uh, Philadelphia 76ers score the go-ahead bucket with 1.3 seconds remaining uh, via Kelly Oubre. Those are those are the only two. Those are the only two outcomes for tomorrow's game. So, well, it would be very appropriate if Kelly Oubre was the one to score that final bucket for multiple mm-hmm. reasons. If you know about you know ball history. Will famously compared Kelly Oubre to Jalen Brown a year ago and said mm-hmm. he would rather have Kelly Oubre on the minimum than Jalen Brown on a max. Was and he also, cooking? Was he cooking? Was he cooking? And also, <laughs> yeah. I famously did not like the Kelly Oubre signing that happened live while we were recording. And so far, it's been fantastic. Nick Nurse has done miracles <laughs> on me. He's done miracles on me. No child left behind, folks. <laughs> Uh, he, he is, 
uh, changing my world so far. Now, keep in mind, the Sixers, they lose the first game of the season to the Bucks on an insane no-call with Giannis obviously traveling late in the game that leave, gives the Bucks the momentum. They lose that game, you know, all things considered. They put up a good fight against the Bucks. Since then, they have won five in a row. Their schedule has been incredibly easy. So they've played the Portland Trailblazers, the Toronto Raptors twice, the Washington Wizards. They've had a very, very easy schedule since then. Having said that, Nick Nurse's miracles are uh, amazing so far to start the season. Mm -hmm. Harden's gone. The team has amazing vibes. And I fear that, Sam, you may have been cooking before the season. I believe you had the Sixers as the three seed. Uh, and I believe you also said that they could have potential to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Everyone said you were just kissing ass so that Sixers fans would like you on the podcast. But so far, the results have been the number one offense in the NBA, <laughs> the number seven defense, and the second best net rating behind your Boston Celtics. So second best team in the East? It honestly looks like it. I'm not, I'm still, Milwaukee has not moved me yet. Like, and I don't know. I just think, you know, Nick Nurse, this is what Nick Nurse does, man. Like, you, and, you know, we should have seen this coming too, because what did Nick Nurse do? Nick Nurse do the only other team time he was given a top five to 10 player in the NBA was, was win the NBA. Yeah. So, instantly. Instantly. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, and, you know, what Archer Dad 420 say uh, is uh, is true. You know, I'm sure Nick Nurse's shtick will wear out eventually. Sure. The thing is, for the Philadelphia Sixers, that doesn't fucking matter. By right. the time his shtick wears out, you know, either Embiid will have requested a trade or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, so it doesn't matter. This is all found money for the Philadelphia 76ers. And they've got a upcoming uh, offseason where they're going to really have a chance to reshape the roster, you know? So... Um, you know, it seemed like this off season was going to be just, um, a dreary death march with them holding on to James Harden, who was holding out all the way until the off season and just, you know, kind of a, a replay of the Ben Simmons saga and everything. But, you know, I, I think the two important things are Tyrese Maxey and, you know, Nick Nurse. Um, and I, I think, you know, just in terms of differences, and I think that we're going to see, like, look, again, we've established the East is dog shit, you know. Milwaukee's e even worse than I thought they were going to be, and I was pretty skeptical that they would be, like, an elite, elite team. So, um, you know, Milwaukee will probably be a better postseason team, and I think that, you know, the Sixers will still have some some stuff they have to sort out in the postseason. But what do we always say? The postseason is all fucking matchups. Um, the other thing is that as good as the Celtics are, as we saw last night, you pull one fucking Jenga block out of their six-man starting lineup, it gets fucking shaky in a hurry. So, like, you know, God forbid two guys are out for the Celtics. Suddenly they're, like, very vulnerable. So there's certainly no reason, you know, I think the Sixers should keep, uh, you know, do what they got to do. Um, I think they're in a great spot right now. Everything is found money. And I, can th I absolutely think Nick Nurse can get this team to a top three seed in the East by the end of the year and be in good position to capitalize if there's bad luck for other teams. 
Yeah. Conference finals. It would be very funny if they get conference finals game with this team. It would be the funniest thing ever. And yeah. Daryl Morey, actually, and we're going to talk a little bit about Daryl Morey's appearance on Right Stricky Sanchez at some point, but he went on Right Stricky Sanchez. And one of the things that he always talks about with Mike Levin on there is well, you guys always say you just you just got to make the conference finals. You just got to make the conference finals. But then the Phillies made the NLCS and they lost and everyone was mad. And Mike laid out this whole thing about expectations as a fan versus results as a fan. Yeah. And the reason why teams that kind of come out of nowhere and have spontaneous success are usually have lower expectations. And that's why a run can be fun. Like last year's Phillies run was really fun for the fans because it came out of nowhere. No one expected that team except for Chiodo to make the world <laughs> series and yep. be, uh, you know, within a game or two of winning the world series. The Sixers expectations for this year were in the fucking toilet. And because they have started out with this hot start, you know, you're maybe one, call away from being six and oh to start this season despite the fact that they've had an easy schedule the Sixers have a history of kind of blowing those games against easy teams as it is and they've taken care of business so far and I a few things just quickly that I wanted to talk about in bead uh you know look I I don't think he has a shot at winning MVP but statistically he has now sat in four or three games he has sat out the entire fourth quarter because the Sixers have been up by so much and part of that might be because he doesn't want Nick Nurse to destroy his body so he balls out for the first three quarters uh the Sixers have the number one net rating in the third quarter it feels like as the game goes on they get a little bit more chemistry they gel they make adjustments and they're able to kind of figure it out they're still figuring out their rotation as well Furkan Korkmaz has been in the rotation Robert Covington was in but he was out kind of out last night Nick Batum was thrown in out of nowhere last night and Joel did you see how many points Joel scored in the third quarter last night I, I saw you when he finished with 40 something last night. He or? finished with 48 points, but he scored 29 yeah. points in the third quarter. Oh my God. I mean, as you've seen, the Wizards defense is very easy to score against. You guys put yes. up like 150 yeah. against them. He's, but right. he had, he was perfect from the field and perfect from the line. He was 10 of 10 from the field and nine of nine from the line. He Jesus. has been, and his defense and his passing, it's funny because the numbers for Maxi and Embiid look really good to start the year. But the thing that has been the most surprising with me is Nurse's way that he's gotten everyone to buy into the movement. He's gotten everyone yeah. to buy into ball movement, moving off the ball, cutting, kind of, you know, the two-man game with Joel and Maxi has been working perfectly. Maxi looks like a fucking veteran point guard all of a sudden, hitting pocket passes, running the pick and roll perfectly. And it really has kind of changed everything for the Sixers. And mainly because I think that they've bought in on the defensive side. And then from there, the passing as a whole has been way better. Joel's averaging like seven assists to start the year. He's only averaged four at the most in his career. Uh, Maxi is averaging seven assists per game. His career high before this year was like three. He obviously has a ton more on-ball opportunities. And it's been really insane to see how first off how deep this team is i think that they have about 12 nba players on the roster yeah. the only players i would honestly say aren't nba players are mo bamba wash marcus morris and 
honestly, Jaden Springer, he has not looked like an NBA player. He's played minutes, but he hasn't really looked like one. Everyone else on the team would probably in, be in the majority of the rotations around yeah. the league, which is like a massive benefit. We're talking about like when you get to the playoffs, of course, those things matter less. But when yeah. you look around the league, we always talk about like what teams do best in the regular season. And if you run 12 deep in the regular season, you're going to win a lot of fucking games if you just have 12 rotation players. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that been the Celtics' success. A lot of their um, <clears throat> good seasons was, have just been being like a strong, like deep team. And especially getting the buy-in. I also really like how Nurse has like, um, you know, I, 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 I'm seeing extend to bias, hashtag extend to bias. <laughs> yeah. So like, let's, let's go. Um, Second I, straight I, year we've done this, by the way. And then at the end of the year, everyone's like, get right up. Um. <laughs> but I, I think I, I've watched a few Sixers games like here and there and I've, not the whole games, just like bits and pieces. And one of the things that jumped out to me is how engaged fucking Tobias looks at doing like not very flashy stuff and how well he's being used by nurse. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, <clears throat> again, I still think that the Sixers ultimately are still kind of, you know, um, sewn to Embiid and what, you know, can he personally get over that hump um, in the playoffs? But, I, I, you know, the other thing about this is, though, too, if Nick Nurse has Embiid playing hard the whole year, he might accidentally get him in shape. <laughs> like, like, yeah, before before the end of the year, like if if Joel Embiid can stay healthy enough, but play hard enough to like hit the playoffs in shape, that could be a huge that could be a huge swing that we haven't seen before. Because every time Embiid is like mailing it in the playoffs, he just looks exhausted to me. Like yeah. every time, and I'm sure there's definitely a mental aspect. I don't want to like gloss over that. Um, but like, I don't know. I I just think that I. The East, anything goes in the East. This is like where the West was the, the, the previous three years in the Mickey Mouse West, where the Lakers are making the Western Conference Finals out of nowhere, where there's exactly... They were in the play-in, and then they make a yeah. few trades, and they're in the Western Conference yeah. Finals. And honestly, if the Celtics get hurt, it suddenly becomes extremely Mickey Mouse in the East, because like anyone can do anything. So, I don't know. I Hey, I'm just saying, like I, I don't think the Sixers are going to come out of the East necessarily. I would not bet on it. But I'm just saying, like... Keep an eye on some of these, like some of these teams, like the, the Hawks, who have looked pretty good in like spurts here and there, and the Sixers, and some of these. You just needed to get that I in. I did. I did. Need my, to get Haw- that in. my Hawks. My Hawks look good. The three seed with well, the the Sixers are going to be the three seed because the Hawks are going to be the two seed, obviously. But um, yeah, I I just think. Hey, like the East, it's it, it suddenly like very plausible. And I know like you got to pump the brakes. We're not even a 10th of the way through the season, but you know, like a lot of shit can change, but I think it's like, overreaction it's, season. Uh, it's not yeah. even Thanksgiving. This is what we do, baby. We got the in-season tournament. Now yeah. we, we, we got a lot of things going on. Jonathan commented and said, if Nick nurse keeps this up, then I'll have trill backing the blue <laughs> <laughs> folks. The, the only blue we, blue. Yeah, I was gonna say the only blue we back here is Blue Chew. <laughs> so by the way, Blue Chew, please contact Trill Brody at, yes. at Trillbrody.biz. Thank you. Back the Blue Chew. That will be our Black saying. The, blue, yeah. the thin blue line, but my blue line. All right. Well, this is not a Patreon. Any so you? Gonna, yeah, you know what's anyway. not tough? Yeah. You know what's not tough? <laughs> um. So, uh, so yeah, just a little housekeeping here. 
Maxi to start the year, 25 points, seven assists, four and a half rebounds, only 1.3 turnovers per game. He's mm-hmm. fourth in the NBA among point guards in uh, assist to turnover ratio. The only point guards that have been better than him to start the year are Mike Conley, Chris Paul, both historically good at taking care of the ball. And then the other two, he's tied with TJ McConnell, who's also been known for this as well. And then the other one is actually DeLon Wright, who is someone that has been coached by Nick Nurse in the past. He's someone that's been brought up as a Sixers trade target. And he's more of an off-ball guard anyway. Like, he does handle the ball occasionally, but he's not a super ball-dominant guy. Uh, But good passer, good defender type. And I I just want to talk a little bit about, because we're going to see the tests for the Sixers in the upcoming game. You have the Celtics, obviously, is the big test on Wednesday. And then the in-season tournament game against the weirdly scrappy Detroit Pistons. Like, the Pistons yeah. are good, but they hang in every single game. And, and they definitely have some pride and some young talent that we discussed on the last episode. The, the Pistons, who should be better than they are, but they insist on playing with the handicap that is starting Killian Hayes. It's for amazing. For whatever reason, like, it's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, like, they're telling I'm their totally... landlord to, to raise the rent so they can grind harder. Yeah. I, I just want to take a quick victory lap on Marcus Sasser. Um Luckily, we've got uh, we the we Celtics do. have no need of. Well, you know, it's not like the Celtics had a chance to draft Marcus Sasser, and they desperately need a uh, you know guard play <laughs> um, yeah. in their rotation. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Which is so funny because we were talking about at one point someone compared mm-hmm. Sasser to. Peyton Pritchard in our group chat. And I was like, I think Sasser might be better than Peyton Pritchard. And now Peyton Pritchard has completely regressed after the preseason. And we'll get to the Celtics in a second. I just want to talk a little bit about Daryl Morey's appearance on the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. If you didn't check that out already, go check it out. It is a a really great episode where Mike Levin destroys uh, Daryl Morey with facts and logic. Let's go being a fan. Uh, I I enjoyed it. But um, so the trade targets that Maury generally discussed on here were interesting to me because obviously he can't name players on other teams. I was just going to say, wait, did he name players? Yeah, he came out and was like, yeah, I want Zach Levine, <laughs> Levine and yeah. OJ Ananobi. And that would be really funny if he was just like, fuck it, find me. What are you yeah. going to do? Huh, pussy? Run, I'll, I'll, run you, I'll run you your money. Let's go. I'm naming names. <laughs> Yeah, I want to trade for James Harden. Yeah. Hey, look, he stood up for free speech before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> got five for the league. Come on. Um, he wants Kyle Anderson just to just to take him away. away. <laughs> oh, I didn't consider that. Kyle Anderson might refuse to play for Daryl Morey. Yeah. No, he's not gonna. He's not gonna. No, Daryl Morey will show him the board ape uh, yacht club uh, hang and say, "Don't you want to do this and have your eyes fall out of your head?" Doesn't no. this seem epic? Isn't this cool? Yeah, yeah, there's no women there, but don't all don't all great parties just have men um, and, and lighting that will uh, actively destroy the, the green light cones in your eyes? No, okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah, Kyle's gonna be so on board with that. Uh, so what he talked about was basically, he's talked about how Nick nurse, cause it's funny you brought up Nick nurse. So what did he do when he got a top five player? He just happened to win the NBA finals yeah, right. with the Raptors, kind of a, kind of an interesting, uh, parallel there, but 
one of the things that he talked about on this episode was the fact that Nurse has been able to make up for a lack of playmaking on some teams that he's had by kind of instituting more ball movement, more movement off the ball, having connective passers, turning guys into more connective passers like Pascal Siakam having Marcus Saul was someone who was famously they acquired at the deadline a few years ago to be a connective passer. You know, Lowry's obviously a good playmaker, but Kawhi of the of the guys who have won the finals as the best player, Kawhi and that Toronto Raptors team, he's one of the worst playmakers. He's not in the LeBron Jokic tier of playmaker. He's quite a few tiers lower than that. So Nurse has done this before where he's leaned in with defense, he's leaned in with scoring, and he's leaned in with connective playmaking and ball movement. So having said that, what he was describing on the podcast, I know that Maury was definitely completely pandering, maybe specifically to me, but just Sixers fans in general, because he said, you know, I think that Tyrese has a shot to be the second best player on a title team. I don't want to rule out him being the best player on a title team. And I was like, that's an amazing pander directly to me, and I appreciate that, Daryl. But I, he talked about, you know, Joel being the best guy, Maxi potentially being the second best guy, and then them looking for a third guy who they view more as a connective piece who can work off the ball. I would imagine that just based on his general description of what they'll be looking for, I don't think guys that we thought before that they could go after like Zach Levine and maybe even like a Brandon Ingram would be in that ballpark because those guys are great, you know, scorers, bucket getters, uh, and guys who can score in isolation, who can generally shoot off the catch, although Ingram has been shooting like shit to start the year. But in terms of playmaking, they're guys that are going to take up a lot of on-ball possessions. They're more ball stoppers and play finishers than ball movers. So I would almost say, based on his description, which keep in mind, <laughs> as we know, Daryl Morey lies all the time. It might just be fucking bullshit. But I would say, based on his description, the few guys that I pulled that I thought fit this, this description more, just based on what we've heard in general, are... The obvious ones, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, who we don't think the Toronto Raptors will be trading. And then the other guys were Gordon Hayward, Kyle Anderson, even though he's more of a role player. Mm -hmm. Marcus Smart, who potentially could maybe be available at the deadline, but I think that the Grizzlies might end up hanging on to him. And then some other guys that people have discussed just pretty much purely as defensive guys who could be play finisher types, ball mover types on offense were uh, Alex Caruso, Dorian Finney-Smith, and I think I already said Gordon Hayward. Uh, and then there's one more, which was Spencer Dinwiddie, but that would be more like a we-just-need-another-ball-handler kind of guy. But Maury seemed to not be that interested in getting another ball-handler on this team. Well, I was going to say, let's just say Spencer Dinwiddie and Daryl have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's already got that connection there. Yeah, yeah. Tobias, so. too. Yeah. yeah. So well, Gordon, Gordon Hayward and, and Maury might also have a lot in, in common too. We just don't know about it. Yeah. I, that's, that's true. I, I, well, cause let's also remember what Daryl, what, what one of Daryl Maury's greatest skills as a GM is. He has exactly one interpersonal skill because all his other interpersonal skills are off-putting and um, alarming. Um, it is uh, tampering. So what Daryl Morey's plan is probably actually going to be, I think, would be to get some of these guys with cap space. 
and I'm guessing he's working on it literally right now. Sure. He is using Mark Cuban's Dust app, which may may have been sunset by now. I'm not sure. But he's using the Dust app to send texts. Um, he's going to find – he's found out through the last uh, investigation that, um, you know, you can save Snapchats. He found that out like Crystal D'Elia. Um, <laughs> you, so, you know, you can get in trouble for that. So he's, he's, he's finding more clandestine ways to um, make contact than I would bet I still think Daryl Morey is probably not going to spend. I, I foresee a tread deadline much more similar to last year's than the yeah, year I mean, may, or maybe the, the George Hill acquisition mm-hmm. versus yes. the Kyle Lowry one, which, look, yeah. Raptors fans got mad at me when I tweeted that uh, Dorian Finney-Smith could be, do 80% of what OG Ananobi does uh, but actually be acquirable. And then they were like, he doesn't do 80% of what OG Ananobi does. And I'm like, okay. So your GM isn't going to trade him anyway. So why I'm not even going to discuss OG Ananobi. And someone compared it to the oh well George Hill can do seventy percent of what Kyle Lowry could do for a third the price or whatever. And I'm like yeah, if the Sixers made the Kyle Lowry trade, it would have been a disaster for them. Yes, yeah. they, they probably would have had to give up Maxi and Embiid would be on the New Orleans Pelicans right now. So why are we even talking about that as if it weren't a good fucking trade but uh we've but- always got to remember that the number one raptors fan skill is uh being completely rational about their team <laughs> yeah it's true yeah it's true. no bias completely no, objective yeah they're just yeah. they're really good they're, they're straight them. shooters but yeah just real quick if you are an nba player and you want to play for the philadelphia 76ers message me on the signal app um, <laughs> my, my ad is trill bro dude I have a guy. Don't use that app for anything else. (laughs) I have a guy who um, I'm in contact with. He is the DM of our Dungeons and Dragons group. Again, his initials DM. (laughs) If you would like to get in touch with DM, please reach out to Trail Bro Dude. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I I do. I do generally think that if he is making a big move, having said that, Windhorse was like, he might have his eyes on some bigger prizes. There was a leak that Donovan Mitchell could be someone that he would go after. Although I don't really see Donovan Mitchell wanting to play anywhere but New York, unless you could talk him into the, hey, JJ Reddick commuted from Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get you an Uber sponsorship. (laughs) JJ Reddick really did that when he played for the Sixers. Yeah, he used to he used to commute from so he had he had a place here I think, but he would commute for like when they were off or they didn't play a lot, and his family lived in Brooklyn. Yeah, so he I, I knew his family lived in Brooklyn because of that that insane story about the, sure. the, the Brooklyn love, yeah. the, the the Brooklyn school. But like, yeah. I didn't realize that was while he was on the Sixers. That's so funny to live in fucking. Uh, Prospect Heights or wherever he was in downtown Brooklyn and just fucking that's such a do- having made that drive recently last time I saw you that is a dog shit drive I was gonna say I know people that live in Manhattan or vice versa yeah. have lived in Philadelphia and worked in Manhattan yeah because they just live near the train stations and it's not that bad of a commute but Brooklyn is another level. Like you're, yeah. I mean, that's two and a half, two hours. Like you could do, you could easily do, if you take the Amtrak, you can do that in like 70, 80 minutes, probably yeah. 90 minutes altogether. And I still think that that commute is insane, but that's, 
I mean, I guess when you have money, it's just a different world. Like you're probably yeah. not driving yourself a lot. Like JJ Redick was making twenty million dollars a year when he played for the Sixers. No, they so, yeah, he, he had he had a shuttle and he would just deploy the cow catcher and like <laughs> zoom through the Staten Island footpaths, knocking uh, knocking people off. Yeah, sides. exactly. Pete Davidson uh, was getting uh, walking with uh, I don't know whatever starlet he was dating, but getting <laughs> destroyed by JJ yeah. Redick's cow catcher uh, yeah. bullet train that he. Had. By the way, Sam is not jealous of Pete Davidson at all. No, I've I, I could do that. I could do that if if, if only you weren't four eleven. Yeah, um, that's the only thing holding me back, really. He oh, cool, he's six four. Yeah, oh, he's got energy. Let his dad's dead. My mom's dead. There's a lot of levels here. You know, there's a lot of it. For those of you listening on audio, that, that, that got trill. That got trill. He ducked out of frame for a second. <laughs> I was not expecting it at all. <laughs> so, yeah, I like to paint a picture for everyone. Yeah. Anyway, Ice Spice, what's up? Just, you know. Yeah. How you yeah. doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. We so, both definitely have profited off 9-11 a lot, and we use it. Yes, so, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's another connection, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would never make a shitty Netflix movie about it, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> Only podcasts. The ethical media. The, ethical the most ethical medium in, <laughs> yeah. our, in our society. Uh, but yeah, if, if anyway, back to our NBA podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, the the thing I agree. I think that Maury only makes a splash move if there's someone that's a perfect fit that becomes available yeah. and the price is right. I don't think he's going to overpay. I think he's going to be. He'll do probably more of a half measure move. And he talked about it on this podcast that if he is trading for someone that is a free agent next summer, it's mostly just because of this new CBA and the fact that you can negotiate with those players early because mm -hmm. you have remember that the new CBA rule like you have a week on everyone else. So you can start instantly when free agency starts and you can uh, actually negotiate a contract before any other team uh, negotiates with them. So there's there's at least that advantage uh, if you do trade for a guy. So um, I, I, I forgot that was a rule and we're going to end up with some situations where um, it's 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 like when, when you know someone's going to dump you, but you're still together and you they're just like talking to you like just. You take them out to dinner to talk about the contract extension, and it's just fucking silverware clattering on the plate. <laughs> yeah. Where silence? Yeah. I was gonna say wherever Kyrie is, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's gonna be James Harden next summer. Let's be honest. Yes, yes. <laughs> what a great transition that was. Yeah, this is say Rafael Stone fires Ime Udoka and <laughs> brings him back this offseason. No, the the Rockets are back, baby. They're 500. That's right. Yeah. They are. They three and are. three. Yeah. Dylan I'm, Brooks is the greatest. It is very funny that Dylan Brooks is playing well. I know. It's amazing that he's yeah. like gonna be in the most improved conversation at like 28 years old. Um, but the uh the one of my favorite accounts on Rocket Twitter, if you don't follow, very funny account, but at biased Houston tweeted uh he tweeted after six games and said, There's no way the Rockets will be in the play-in with a bunch of crying face emojis and showed them in the eight seed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's go, dude. Six games into the season. We love to see it. Let's uh, go. But uh, but yeah, so that's what that's what's going on in the Sixers front. We'll see, we'll learn more about this team over the next few days. But I do want to talk a little bit about the uh 
the debut of James Harden at Madison Square Garden. Harden in the Garden. First game with the Clippers. I streamed it last night. If you didn't catch it on playback, you can watch games with me on there throughout the NBA season. And they lost his first game mm. playing uh, P.J. Tucker's second game. I don't know if you saw this. Just before we get into the Harden stuff, I don't know if you saw this, but... <laughs> Clippers fans are already like, get PJ Tucker the fuck out of the rotation. <laughs> he, blew, he blew a wide open layup in transition last night. He missed multiple quarter threes. He was terrible in the first game. I believe he, I think he only played like 15 minutes and had like four fouls in the first game he played for them. He really struggled in the last game uh, for the Clippers as well. So it's been a really rough start and I, I, I'm just so happy that part of that trade was getting off the PJ Tucker contract for the Sixers. Cause man, he's got another year at like 12 million next year. That's they're kind of, they're kind of stuck with that. Cause they don't have picks or I guess you could attach a young player to get off the contract, but what's really the point. Well, and, th and the thing is like 12 million is like the perfectly like shitty amount of money to make. Cause it's like, not big enough to like actually give up an asset like in terms of percentage of the cap but it's also big enough that it like fucks up your plans and sure. stuff like yeah you know, it's, it's like ah fuck i call that the peyton pritchard um, <laughs> um i was gonna say if he if he actually was somewhat playable or he had or they had draft capital it could actually be valuable like you could be mm -hmm. like hey we have some matching salary like your Celtics right now do not have any matching salary. The Sixers yeah. are in the complete opposite uh, side of the spectrum now where they have a ton of matching salaries. They've basically become the new Clippers and Grizzlies where they have a ton of uh, salaries that they can move to make these trades. And uh, one of the things that I feel like coming out of the first Harden game is that, one, this team really needs Terrence Mann, who is going to return from injury sometime soon i would imagine but the other thing that like i'm not going to overreact to one game because they have so much talent and it's going to take some time to figure things things out and harden honestly on offense and even had some nice defensive moments looked pretty good altogether like i mean he had some nice mid-range shots he had his classic step back three uh moment he was uh playmaking like he usually does and he even had some nice defensive sequences. But the one thing that I am concerned about, this is just a little bit of a microcosm of why I don't love the Harden fit in general on this Clippers team, is that, well, first off, Kawhi after the game was like, you know, I'm just trying to figure out like what my, my role is going to be with this team. And it's like, you're Kawhi Leonard. Like you should have a pretty defined role from the jump. Uh, and then the second thing for me was, the fact that uh, on the biggest play of the game when the Clippers were trying to come back, the uh, Knicks missed a shot and Dante DiVincenzo ran in from the three-point line, grabbed an offensive rebound, which led to a three by him that just completely made it out of reach for the Clippers. And when you watch the replay, Harden wasn't boxing out. And these are things that teams that have a lot of stars on them now they have four guys who think they're stars. Russ has bought a little bit into the role player stuff, playing more point of attack defense, boxing out on rebounds, all that shit. But I do think that when you get these guys that have been the on-ball creator their whole career, the star player their whole career, 
that it is hard to get them to buy into roles to be like, hey, yeah, I'll box out. I'll set screens. I'll do all this. And I think that that almost always goes to the team not being quite as good as their talent collectively. Yeah. And I think they're going to win a lot of games just because they have a ton of talent because that's what happens. If you have more talent in the NBA, you're going to win on any given night. But there are going to be issues that this team runs into over the course of a season because they're not quite as good as a collective as they are individually. And it's especially the case when you get these guys who are a little bit later into their 30s. They're not in the prime of their career. We've talked about, like, when do these super teams ever work? It's literally like the LeBron heat when those guys were at their peak. And then the KD Steph Warriors, which who were just unstoppable. But otherwise, you run into this problem a lot where guys don't want to do the dirty work. Guys don't want to do the things that, uh, you know, teams normally have a few guys that can do this and aren't complete zeros in the rest of the game like, you know, PJ Tucker can be. So I'm definitely uh, not concerned after one game, but I think that it's going to take a little bit of time to get this chemistry down for, for the Clippers for sure. Yeah, I, I just think I was actually listening. Did you listen to Low Post where he was talking that home and um <clears throat> Oh no, I, I haven't yeah. heard it yet. I didn't know that he released one because I listened to his Wemby one, which he was they were spitting on that episode about Wemby. He was incredible last week, but yeah. I didn't get a chance to check out the latest low post. So <clears throat> it's kind of interesting because Young Mahaisuk, he's like a you know, he's he's the ESPN Clippers guy, and you can tell, you know, he's got a little bit of he's got a little Ramona Shelburne. Um, he's, he's yeah. got some Romo. He's an uh, access guy. Yeah, I, I was gonna say he's a little bit of an access guy. Um, <clears throat> so I was kind of trying to read the tea leaves on what he thought because he was pushing his his take was he was pushing big that like it was a huge win for the Clippers because they get their guy in early, you know, only five games they get a chance to you know incorporate him. The other thing they were saying was, actually, it's good how public this trade was because they were this, the coaching staff was able to go to everyone and be like, hey, whenever this guy gets here, this is how it's going to work. And so, like the, <laughs> the organization had like a lot of time to like process. Like he, he had a really interesting soundbite about like how Ty Lu was just thinking about how the rotations were going to be like all offseason once they got hardened. Sure. So like <laughs> they were able to just come in and hit the ground running with that. So um you know that's probably some pretty heavy like clipper spin um you know i i don't think they're always going to look as bad as they are i think the key i think the canary in the coal mine for this whole clippers thing is going to be how engaged is russell westbrook and does this like check russell westbrook out because i think one of the real strengths of the clippers as they're currently constructed is that Russell Westbrook has turned back into a winning basketball player for them. You know, like how winning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Will is going to DM me tomorrow and be like, Russell Westbrook is not no, a winning I, NBA player. I, I, I mean, <laughs> in his role before they got Harden, I think he was. Yes. I mean, yeah. look, he's still going to have his Russ games, but yes. it was the most role adjustment we've ever seen from Russ throughout the course of his career at a minimum. Yeah. So I, I know he finally did the KOC thing, setting ball screens, but more it was like just the fact that he changed their identity in terms of like getting them out running more. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I I think he, yeah, that's a great point by um, Nate on the, in the back. Like he just, he's, he pushed the pace. He made them like faster. <laughs> yes. As, as, as Will says, Westbrook just needs to channel his or David Mitchell to, <laughs> Really, I mean, look, Russell yeah. Westbrook might be a star hiding in plain sight. 
Yeah, <laughs> he might be. You know, he could be an MVP someday. Um, <laughs> he'd probably have to average a triple double or something like that. But um, yeah. But I just think I think that's gonna be what is it? Because I think if they can keep a, a, a relatively positive Russ. Because I think he's going to the bench eventually. You know what I'm saying? He, has to. he just can't. You know, they're, they're, Terrence Mann is going to have to start when he comes back. And if Russ can keep that same, you know, if, if we can, if they can avoid Lakers Russ once Russ gets moved to the bench, and I think that's going to have to happen for them to become a winning team, I think they can really do okay here. Like, you know, like, and I think, you know, but there's other things though that like compound that. Like, what does that do to Bones Highlands minutes? You know, like, and what is that? Um, you know, do with some of these other guys who have you know really been playing pretty well. So I'm really interested to see the other thing that they nailed was that um they pointed out that the you know the the Jokic buzzsaw. It is really funny that like early on in the season, maybe the Celtics less so because they're more injury. That you know, Celtics are less proven and have less injuries on the East side, but on the West sides, everyone's equally scared of the Nuggets because they're defending champs and they have Jokic and it's. You know, that was the point they were making is like, I, I measure everyone by the Nuggets, you know. Um, they're saying the Clippers aren't a good matchup for them. But it's like, yeah, but they're not a good matchup for anyone in the West. However, I would point out there is one team in the West that actually is a good matchup for, against Denver. And so there's a chance the Wolves could beat the Denver in like round two or something like it's that. It's possible. I mean, look, Jamal yeah. Murray's already hurt. Like if he has the hamstring, those things yeah. can linger. You never know, but that, that if any team has a chance, they match up the best with them for sure. But th- but that's what I'm saying. It's it's like it's not very likely, but what just what I'm saying is like there's a chance. You know, I, I think the Clippers are on the same tier with like every other team in the West. Maybe not. I'd like to see more of the Warriors. I think the Warriors have the best shot of like moving into the Denver tier, but they're, they're like close enough with these other teams that it's not like outrageous for them to like beat them in a series. But then if um, you know, and and I just think it's it's possible that the Nuggets lose before the Western Conference Finals. So like, you know, you could get a shitty matchup there. So well, it's funny that I watched the Timberwolves once again playing the Celtics last night. They obviously beat them. We'll talk about that. But mm-hmm. it's funny I watched them, and in my brain I go, oh God, they should just trade Carl Anthony Towns for whatever they can get. Yes, because he is a disaster on some nights, and he lets. Like, I've never seen a player quite like him where the emotions just dictate how he plays. And, like, he was complaining the entire game last night and he was completely out of it. He was terrible. But the fact that that is one of the reasons why they match up well with Denver is why you can't just trade him. Because if you need to win the West, you need to beat Denver. And maybe they don't get that shot. Maybe they don't beat them in a series. But they certainly match up better with anyone else. And I, I am a little concerned that Jamal Murray's hurt this early in the season. I mean, look, Michael Porter Jr. looks way better than he ever has before. Uh, and he was he had like a crazy dunk last night. But there are some health question marks for a team that's also very thin. I don't think it's just completely bulletproof that they stay healthy and they're right all throughout the playoffs as well. Like, I think that the West because of the competitiveness from top to bottom has a lot more question marks. And I like the Clippers chances about as much as I kind of like their chances against everyone except for Denver and maybe golden state. I feel like golden state would beat them in a series as well, but I would certainly say that the Clippers 
have the talent. One of the things that they talked about when the Harden trade went down, uh, he had Steve Jones on that episode to talk about uh, some of the schematic stuff with the Harden thing. And like these teams that are building their teams with three stars, perimeter stars, the Suns, the Clippers to kind of attack team's weakest perimeter defenders right so like okay now the third best perimeter defender is going to be on bradley beal now the third uh best perimeter defender is going to be on james harden or paul george or whoever and i think there's some legitimacy to that especially when you're facing a team like denver that like look jamal murray's been much improved on defense but he's not a perfect defender by any means michael porter jr's had his issues in the past but I still feel like in order to match Denver's offense and Golden State's offense when it's really rolling, you need to have more than just guys who can cook in isolation. And that is what I fear that the Clippers offense, Clippers fans were already sick of the lack of ball movement, the sick of lack of movement in their offense in general. They thought it was too ISO heavy. It's not going to get any better with James Harden. Now you'll have better passing for sure. And if he buys into a connective passing role, you're going to have, and like he had some moments last night where they set him up, they put him at the elbow and he made the right read. Like he's a genius basketball player, but it feels like when you get into the playoffs, I think that you need to always have counters. And I, I struggle to see ISO ball being the counter that can trump a Jokic led offense in the playoffs, Uh, a Steph, if everything stays right, led offense in the playoffs, you might get enough points, but I don't think you're going to have enough points to match the other side. If they're all healthy and all clicking on all cylinders in a read and react system. I think, I think the death knell for the Clippers, because I made the contrarian take about why this could work. I think the, other side of the equation is they can beat any of these West teams, but can they beat anyone four times in a row? And I just don't think so. I think they could win a first round series. And if they get really lucky with matchups, maybe even a second round series, but I just think eventually it's, it's too much of a coin flip for them. It's going to be too much of a coin flip from them series to series. And by the way, if anyone gets hurt, they might not even make the playoffs. <laughs> like that's gonna still be on the table. That's, They're gonna I don't, be close. No, if I think that goes down. Like I think they will. They have okay. enough. That, that's part of the reason why they traded for Harden. It's like you know, say what yeah. you will about Harden, but he's gonna give you when he's on the court. You'll have a top ten offense, and if you can figure out the pieces around that, them losing Plumley is low key not good for them because yeah. PJ Tucker. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it, it's not good because yeah. because PJ is not good enough to play the five anymore. And look, maybe yeah. in some lineups, I talked about this on Rob Flom's podcast, maybe in some lineups you could play Kawhi at the four and get away with it because he has that rim protection ability, the help defense ability that uh, the Sixers just never had when they ran these smaller lineups with PJ at the five. But PJ provides no rim protection. You're going to have to switch a ton and the offense is just going to take a hit whenever PJ's out there, unless you staple all of his minutes to Harden, which is what I would imagine that they will do moving forward is you're playing with Harden or you're not playing at all. And maybe that's a situation where you can survive. I saw uh, Ethan in the comments, who's a Clippers fan, say earlier where they're talking about Terrence Mann at the five. I'm like, that is not something that is going to work. Terrence Mann is like six, five. No, I can see Terrence Mann in like, a Bruce Brown net style role where you play him as a big on offense, setting screens, playmaking, raking the right reads, whatever. But I don't really see him as 
you know, playing defensively that small ball five role. That's got to be Kawhi. That's got to be someone that can provide more rim protection and paint protection in general. So I think that the Clippers, it's going to be interesting to see what happens without Plumlee. And and now Zubach is not a role threat. Uh, and Embiid wasn't the, the ideal. If you're thinking about creating like in a lab what a hardened big would look like, it would probably look a little bit more like someone that had a little bit more vertical explosion, but that two man game was so deadly because in B you get him into the mid range. He's either drawing a foul or he's taking it and making it at 50%. So that is something that I, I, I want to see how that chemistry builds with Harden and, and the bigs there, especially when Plumlee gets healthy. Hopefully he's not out too long. I saw he had a sprained MCL. I don't really know how long he's going to be out for that, but I would imagine it's a significant period of time. So just some thoughts on the Clippers. Not really too concerned about them. I think they'll win on their talent. And I think I agree with you. I think their ceiling is conference finals appearance. And look, it's not what you want when you consider everything that you gave up to build this team. But this is a team that before they got Paul George had zero conference finals appearances. And if you get two in a few years, I think you can live with that. I think that ultimately winning a finals is really hard. And I don't think Harden's going to be that final piece, but he he could definitely help them at least in terms of raising the floor. I, I just, I think I still think I know Harden's like an all time floor raiser, but I just, I think that the floor is lower than it might otherwise appear, especially if it's, you know, Kawhi or Paul George getting hurt, just because I think the Clippers have always been a super, super, super deep team. Um, They're still okay, but they are not as deep as they once were. Um, And they, if one or two of those guys go out, you suddenly got, you know, you're going to have James Harden running things, but I don't know if James Harden can carry a team that way anymore. You know, like I just, I guess, I guess he kind of did it against the Celtics a little bit, but that's, well, you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to have yeah. load managing Kawhi in game, basically <laughs> like yeah, Kawhi yeah. taking less shots, Kawhi putting less stress on his body and hoping that that could get you to the finish line. Cause when it all comes down to it, he's, he's still the best player on that team and he's still, the number one, the alpha, if you will, when it comes to playoff time. Uh, but uh, yeah, so moving on to your Celtics, mm. they finally <laughs> lost a game to the Wolves uh, after destroying the Wizards and the Pacers without Halliburton and had some competitive wins at the beginning of the season against the Heat and the Knicks. So they go to Minnesota last night. The game actually goes to overtime. The Wolves kind of shit on themselves down the stretch, thanks to Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Anthony Edwards not hitting some shots. But Ant was incredible in that game, honestly, on, on both ends. I would say he was probably the best player on the court last night. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely a surefire superstar. That's really weird that um, top five NBA player Jason Tatum uh, – when it came down to it, wasn't able to be the best player on the court. That's pretty interesting. I'm sure it was Marcus Smart's fault that they weren't able to execute there. And, I mean, Tatum did have a good game. He just shot. He did. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm looking at Tatum's stats. I mean, 32, 5, 2, and 5. Well, okay. Okay. The, pass, the passing and the three-point shooting is what I've, has been a concern for him to start the year. I've, I've tweeted this before. Jason, the Jason Tatum is the king of the, oh, my God. Is he okay? Five yeah, like, and then you look at it. You look at his stats at the end of the game, and it's like thirty fucking points every goddamn time. Which is like, it's good and bad. It's good and bad. You know, like, there's 
there's things. And he honestly, Tatum's been really good in all the other games. But again, this is my issue with Tatum is when when it's a close game where you need your star player to put their dick on the table and say that I'm I'm going to take over this game and I'm going to win it for you right now. I just, you know, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, look, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm just getting um, some takes in your feelings. Here. Yeah, I'm getting my feelings. I'm going to be honest, because well, the other thing is I went to bed. I woke up at 3.30 this morning, so I actually didn't watch the second half of that game. Um, so I only watched the first half. I can tell you what I saw in the first half. Um, one, the Wolves need to trade Carl Anthony Towns like tomorrow. Like Nasreed came in, like the Celtics were annihilating them with Cat on the court, and then Cat got in foul trouble. Nasreed came in, and they immediately stabilized. So that's one. Uh, um, Jordan McLaughlin, right, right, MCL sprain. Wow, it's uh, over for the Timberwolves. It's over. Never mind. I was about to say it. Something. Um, my Wolves, by the way, my Wolves. Yeah, defeating the the evil empire. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, you know, like, I think I think what that exposed is that the Celtics really do mm-hmm. something. What we've seen is the Celtics bench is extremely vulnerable. Um, they're not very good. Actually, yeah. Peyton Pritchard, even though Peyton Pritchard had zero points last night, he actually, like, wasn't as bad as he has been in some other games. Like, he was doing some stuff. He got, like, five rebounds or something like that, and he was rebounding the ball, like, pretty well for – his size with some of this stuff, but it's just, it's the lack of talent, you know, that you have there and just having a hard time with the front court depth. I think it really kills them when they have to start the double bigs with Derek out, like sure. the bigs they need, they need Al in that bench lineup. And Al just, Al kind of looks old when he has to play like full starters minutes. Like it's, right. it's like, you know, he runs out of gas to hit a rare turnover at the end of the game last night that sent it yeah. to overtime. Like, and there's, you know, issues, you know, you saw um, close game uh, over leverage. Drew Holiday, Holiday came back, um, which, yeah. you know, that's the Nihilus Bucks was uh, victory lapping about that. Sure. Uh, after he was at the game. the game. He said he had PTSD because yeah. he, he was at the Celtics Timberwolves game when Drew went doo-doo mode down the stretch. Yes. So, um, you know, and I think that Porzingis, for as much as he looks like a, you know, a cheat code for the Celtics offense and kind of gives them free spacing. um he can get himself in foul trouble even when he's like, you know, healthy, he can get himself in foul trouble. And that's kind of what happened last night. And he would, when Porzingis, just something I've noticed in like the first few, um, in the short time he's been on my team, it's completely different ball game. How Porzingis changes when he's in foul trouble versus when he's in there. So I felt really good about the Celtics. Uh, the first four games of this season, I still feel really good about the Celtics. I still think they will ultimately be the one seed barring like, some catastrophic, really bad injury. Um, but, you know, it's not the slam dunk I thought it was. You know, I certainly um, am, uh, you know, I can certainly see how, like, Denver could could beat them and some of these other um, teams could do really well. The thing I continue to hang, um, you know, my hopes on the East is dog shit. So, <laughs> you know, just them yeah, being, bad. yeah, them being like, you know, they, they don't have to be like generationally good to get a one seed and go to the, you know, the the finals this year. So, I mean, look, they they, ha- they still have the best top six in the NBA. Derek White was out for this game, as we discussed, because he was selfishly having a child for some reason. Gross. Um, But uh, I do just want to talk a little bit about my wolves because yeah. take your victory lap. My wolves ever since DeJounte Murray's Mickey Mouse game, by the way. Mm hmm. DeJounte, Michael Mouse himself, DeJounte Murray, 
goes off. Neither they lose you. that game. You could have just you could have just stuck to the Nuggets and the Celtics wins, but you had to no. go there. No. no, Mickey Mouse shooting from Dejounte Murray that was completely bullshit. The the Timberwolves blow that game to the Hawks because uh, Murray goes off. The Hawks are better. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, sure. Who has the better record? I'm just saying. Who has a yeah, better well, record? In, in, the Mickey, hey. in, the, in the Mickey Mouse West, they they had oh! easy schedule. They've had who, an easy schedule with the Celtics. Who did the Hawks and, lose to last night? Was it the Oklahoma City Thunder? Okay, just checking. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, I'm oh, just oh, saying, who who the Wolves beat besides the Nuggets and Celtics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, besides the two championship <laughs> frontrunners? Come yeah, on. But, lot, but lots of teams lose to the uh, – look, the, the, the Nuggets and Celtics lose to a lot of teams. I'm sure they have other, other battles. <laughs> yeah, the horrible losses on the season so far. So, yeah, yeah the Timberwolves ever since – my guy McDaniels came back. He struggled in yesterday's game in the first half. Defensively, he was amazing, just like he always is. But offensively, he struggled. The Celtics were daring him to shoot, and he kept shooting and shooting, and he was unconscious in the fourth quarter in overtime. Since he's come back, I feel like they've looked like a different team. They they handled the Nuggets. They destroyed the Jazz, and then they narrowly beat the Celtics. And honestly, if it weren't for Carl Anthony Towns, they probably run away in that game because he was having an absolutely terrible game. So I'm just saying my Wolves still looking like a top three or four team in the West. I never backed off. I never backed down, even though Will came at me with the calculator rat stats. I like this team a lot, and I think that they have. The fact is, when Anthony Edwards has games like last night, I think they can beat anyone in the NBA. And Rudy Gobert, all things considered, is like pretty much close to the level that he was at in terms of rim protection. Like He's looked awesome to start the year. And then on top of that, he has two perimeter defenders that you could throw on any team that has big wings and Anthony Edwards and uh, Jaden McDaniels. So I, I, I just really like what I'm seeing, by the way. I, I talked about it a little bit earlier. You know how everyone has like the assist to turnover ratio? And I was like, okay, so Maxi's like 6.3 to 1 assist to turnover. And then it was like DeLon Wright was like 7 to 1, whatever. Mike Conley has a 23 to 1 <laughs> assist to turnover ratio to start the year. So at times he can look a little wash, but he's still a good player. I, I just, I, I like what my wolves are doing and uh, do you, watch out, baby. I'm going to ask you, do you know um, where the uh, wolves rank in defense? It's got to be top five, right? It is number one. Wow. Number one. number one defense. The, that was the point Zach Lowe made. I don't know if that was defensive efficiency or just, you know, the, the Mickey Mouse points per game one or whatever, but um, it is, that was something that, that I heard on low post today. And I thought that was really interesting because it makes sense. You know, they've got um, a great defender at all three levels. They've got Gobert around the room. They've got McDaniels for, you know, a six ten wing defender. And then they've got Edwards who, by the way, I thought actually fucked up the uh, Celtics almost as bad on defense last night as he did on um, offense, which I thought was like really impressed me. I, that was like a very, a very shack. Um, I owe you an apology. I was unfamiliar with I your game. You know? with well, I'm just, I'm used to like really good guards, like being bad on sure. defense, but he's just, he's so fucking strong. Yeah, and he can can blow up those plays when you're like getting in around the rim or like dribble handoffs or some of these other things. He's he's really good. He's really good, man. Like I was uh, I was really impressed by him. So I think I think uh, I I don't know. I uh, I thought the Wolves were very good. Um, 
I I wonder how that I, I'm I'm gonna you know kind of wait to see uh you know what happens with them the rest of the year because the other thing the Wolves do is they lose to teams that they are better than so they are gonna be the ultimate they're just giant killers you know what I'm saying yeah. like it seems like they get up for every big game and then we'll fucking blow a Spurs game or something like that sure um, that's, that's gonna be their destiny for the year yeah I think I think that's probably the case as well but um. Yeah. I, I do just want to point out that uh, Nate, who's a Wolves fan who follows the podcast, mm-hmm. has been basically begging in the Discord and in the comments here for the Carl Anthony Towns for Emmanuel quickly and salary trade. And once that goes through, the yes. Wolves will be winning the West, according to him. So we'll see. We'll keep he an eye ball. on it. He knows ball. I th- did, did we uh, did we not talk about that before? Because because the rumor was cat to the Knicks. Yeah, and like that trade package, like by Would necessity. Would would probably be like quickly and Fournier's you know, contract. Yeah, maybe one of Barrett or Randall. Probably Randall. Um, just to make probably Randall easy. now because they want to get off that contract. Well, a change of scenery, Randall you might get an All NBA player out of it. Like yeah. you know, like so it'd be very. Uh, Can you offset every other year, Randall, by trading him to another place? It will be the the real test. That would be uh, the ultimate test of Ant's star power. Can he get Randall passing to him? <laughs> I think he can do uh, it. I'm a, I'm a huge Ant believer. Like he really is. Like a he's revived. Guy. He's revived Rudy Gobert. He can do anything, folks. Yes. Uh, so let's get into the last part of the podcast that we're going to talk about, which is ESPN's 25 under 25 list. And I wanted to leave us a big space to talk about this because there is a lot to talk about on this list. I I, I want to. Somebody said this earlier in the podcast that I didn't know this is what, was, <laughs> what we were going to talk about. Trill Trill said it to me, but I forgot. Um, I did not read a fucking okay. word of it. He so, said, he said yeah. minus two hundred odds that Sam has read this at all. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. great. We'll get to see yeah. your reactions yeah. to it live on the podcast. I don't yeah. want you to read it. I want to read it off to you because last okay. time. Because last time what happened was you hadn't seen it and you were like, what the fuck? I yeah, I was reading it while you were going through the other players and I was like, what the fuck? Why is this? So yep. All right. So number 25 on the list. Okay. Is one Alperen Shangun of the Houston Rockets. What the fuck? What? There's 0%. Ch- How are they defining young? First of all. 25 and under. No, there's no way he's got to be top ten, like that, or maybe maybe top fifteen. Like I'm just thinking through it off the top of my head. Sure, I there's no way he's still low enough to be top twenty five. He's been yeah. amazing this year. He's way too low. He's way too low. No. Now look, did they do he, this in the off season or something? No, it was literally done today. It was Bobby Marks, him, Bon Temps, and some other people. God, I want to see Bon Temps's. I would love to be in the room when Bon Pemps is making this, making these lists. Like, dude, Killian, the Killian Hayes comment. His when when Bon Temps goes on Killian Hayes, it's like it, it, it it's very much like when there's like a rapper producer collab that like <laughs> you like. Oh man, if these two could just get together again and like you know, for years we wanted to hear Kendrick Lamar over a Dr. Dre beat again or whatever it is. Like fucking, it is. Push a T over Kanye. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> fucking any any sort of that collaboration. Tim Bontemps talking about Killian Hayes. He said he should punt him. He said Monty Williams should punt him to the moon. To the moon. Amazing. Amazing. 
Bontemps rules, dude. That, that's why he's him, Bontemps, because I know he's telling me the truth. Yes. Like, I can trust him because I know I know he has zero filter. Tim, Tim will tell me exactly how it is, completely unvarnished, exactly his opinion and how he sees it. And that's why he's the only ethical NBA journalist. God, God bless Tim Bontemps. God bless he's him. amazing. So great, dude. Yeah, he's like, and he stinks, and he's not – not an NBA player, and he shouldn't be in the room. And he's right. He's right. Sasser should be ahead of him. When Burks is healthy, he should be ahead of him. Ivy should be ahead of him. I know Killian Hayes every once in a while has a great shooting game, and he looks amazing, but come on. He's so good, dude. <laughs> I, I, I read Herb's comment in the, in the fucking – Elfrin Shen Yoon. Rockets after Silasism. If you're if you're uh, if you've ever driven anywhere and you've seen the Shen Yun uh, uh, billboards, this is a good good. It's a good bit. Incredibly Uh, good bit. Very good. We appreciate it. So, so yeah, twenty five. Way too low. Insanely. Way too too low. low. Way too low. There's no way Shen Yun should be this low. We discussed it on the Patreon episode last week. He's one of the only centers at 21 years old to average six assists a game, like basically the only one really like, and if that's the case, plus he's like an efficient scorer there, of course there are defensive issues, but most of these guys aren't going to be the best player on a championship team. Well, and that's the thing is it's like, you know, like that's why I asked if this was last year, because this is probably where I would have put him like last year. You know what I'm saying? It was like a lot less promising, but he's like been amazing out of the gate and like, on a real team. Like the second infrastructure got added, he's like really fucking popping. So I don't know. I think that's add Tari back uh, into the mix. And I think that they're going to be cooking. Cause those two, yeah. even on that shitty rockets team last year, before they had real players, they were like a plus six per 100. I think when, when Shangun and Tari were on the court together. So I'd be, I'd be very interested to see that duo at the four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So number 24 is Keegan Murray. That's fine. That's fine. It's, it's probably about. He started right. the year poorly, but he was really good as a rookie. Yeah. He's a big wing movement shooter who can hang on defense, handle the ball a little bit. That's that's pretty much right about where I think I would put him. He's he's like an average NBA starter to me, which is a compliment. You know, very good at twenty two. Yeah. That's very yeah. good. Yeah, that's pretty good. So mm-hmm. like I think that's you think about thirty teams with like their young players. That's like pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, but he should not be over Shengun. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, I would definitely yeah. not have him over Shengun. Yeah. Uh, number 23, this is the first surprise in the opposite direction for me. And I know it might break your heart for me to say this, but I don't think Scoot Henderson should be on this list based on what we've seen so far. Not yet. I mean, not yet. What are you, what are you doing? You know what not I'm yet. saying? Are you projecting? Cause like objective. He's played, he's played five games and he's been absolutely terrible. That's what I was just <laughs> going to say. Like, on depth, but if you're, if you're doing, I was going to say, if you're going to do results based, it's like him and Killian have been the two worst players in the NBA, like yeah. by like warp. So like, you know, it is, uh, you, you know, I, I don't have a huge problem with that. Um, I love Scoot. I, I, I doing their... got to do something on the NBA court for me to put you in the top 25 and he's yeah. done. If anything, it's he's hurt himself so far. Yeah. I will say I would definitely have the two guys previously mentioned ahead of him. So, yes. <laughs> so definitely. there's a start. So, yeah. And I would probably have him off the list entirely. So yeah, I would just, probably. I would just for based on what we know now, I need, you need to have at least one good game. in the NBA. That's a pretty yeah. low bar. I feel like it's one good well, game in the NBA. 
also, you know, fair play. We were extremely fucking rude to um, Cade for this. And he wasn't good, by the way. I just looked up. Do you know who the bottom five players in in, in Vorp right now in the entire NBA are? Scoot's definitely the worst. Um, He's not the worst. He's second worst. There's someone else who's worse than him? Yes, and it's not Killian Hayes. Are they on the Pistons? They're not on the Pistons. They are on the Golden State Warriors. Is it Podjimski? No. It's Andrew Wiggins. Dude, Wiggins has been terrible this year. Yeah. It's really Andrew- weird. Like, he just doesn't look nearly like he just looks terrible. Like, okay. he, did he just have a Mickey Mouse run? Is he just a one and done type guy? He he might have he might have you know he might he might be over. By the way, so this this is the rest of the bottom six. There are two other guys. Or sorry, there's three other guys who are 22, and then Jordan Clarkson is the other bad guy. Do you want to guess any of oh, the 22 wow. year old guys who are um, worst players in the NBA? Three of the six. Cade. Uh, that's one. <laughs> yeah, Cade. Um, and I don't know. These two guys have the same last name. These two young guys. Williams? Yes. Jalen Williams? No, it is Patrick Williams. Oh boy. And Zaire Williams. Yeah. They both, I mean, they both have started like shit. They haven't been good in their careers. I'm willing to give guys that have slow starts always the benefit of the doubt. But But if you've always been kind of mid and underwhelming, I can understand why fan bases start to panic. Like Zaire Williams, it's year three. Patrick Williams, it's year four. Like you would hope that these guys would have some sort of progress in their game. I'll admit I've been kind of impressed with Cade when I have watched him. I'm like, okay, he's like figuring it out. It's alarming to me that I, I had that thought and he's still one of the worst players. In the well, NBA. let's just wait until you see where he's on this list because I think your head might explode. Oh, man. So, okay. Let's go. All right. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> to be fair to Trill and Sam, both both have more win shares than Cade Cunningham has in his career to start. Let's go. That's right. I've always said that. I've always said I'm zero, zero for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So perfectly leave at league average for me. Number 22, Tyler Hero. It's fine. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with having Tyler. Hero. Yeah. He, he, honestly, you might, you might be able to put him higher just based on what other guys have done in the league. He's actually done, had a pretty impressive career to this point. I think he's dog shit and not a winning player. Like, <laughs> just in terms of like, casually just were like, yeah, he fucking sucks. sucks. I fucking despise him. Um, and I don't think he's, I don't think he helps winning basketball, but, but he has had really impressive stats um, and is, you know, I, I doubt there's going to be many more guys who are going to have better stats than him ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still one of the, 15 best shooters in the NBA. Yeah. 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 He's a really good shooter yeah. and like a competent ball handler, right. not the worst defender in the league. Like he's p- perfectly fine. Yeah, he's fine. Perfectly fine to be here for me. Yeah. Uh, number 21, a guy that we talked about on the Patreon episode a lot. Jalen Duran. Too low. <laughs> I'd have him higher too. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, he's too low. By the way, <laughs> we kept calling him 20 on the last episode. He's 19 still. Yeah. Duran turns 20 in, I think he's still, hold on. Let me double check this. Yeah, he he doesn't turn 20 for another week. Let's go. 
Jalen so, Duran, year eighteen season. Yeah, he's 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 amazing. The the Pistons franchise player, baby. He will he will be incredible at some point. I'm I, mean, I would be higher. Really good. We talked about project- him as like a potential top five center in the East this year, and he's nineteen. If you're putting Scoot this high, I would argue you should probably have Jalen Duran like in the top ten somehow, just in terms of projections and how the career trajectory arc is looking. Because he looks like he's going to be a fucking star, man. Like, yeah, he might not be good this year, like amazing this year, but he looks like he's going to be a fucking star. Like by the time he's like 24, 25. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, Jalen Duran should be higher in my opinion. Yeah. For example, I think he should be higher than this player. Number 20, mm-hmm. Walker Kessler. Like, yeah. Kessler's, Kessler's good. Yeah, he's Kessler's fine. fine. I know he's, yeah. had a, he's struggled a little bit, but, like, he was, what, a 21-year-old rookie? Had a very yeah. good rookie year. Analytically, like, popped off the yeah. charts. I, I put him in the Keegan Murray zone. You know what I'm saying? He's probably a little better than Keegan Murray, but I would put, like, Shangoon. I don't see even probably put here. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe even put Hero above him, you know. Um, you know, but he's, like, a, you know. He's like a fine player. You know what I'm saying? He's an NBA starter. You know, what else do you want, want me to say? There's you know? no GM in the league that isn't taking Jalen Duran over Walker Kessler. Yes, agreed. Yeah. 100%. And as Will is screaming in the comments, he loves to call him Caucasian Mitchell Robinson because Mitchell <laughs> Robinson famously had insane analytics his rookie season and then was like, he's fine. He's a nice player. But yeah, yeah. He's, been, he's, been, he's been pretty good this year. He kind of fucking blew up the Clippers last night. <laughs> Mitchell Robinson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mitchell Robinson's a good NBA player. He's just not like, oh, I have 25 players I need to rank Mm -hmm. for the future outcomes. I don't know. Walker Kessler would be lower on this list to me. He would be fringe top 25. I've always been a huge Mitchell Robinson guy. I've always said Yeah. You've always pushed back against me when I've been a skeptic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's always. That's what I just want to I just want to reestablish for the sake of the pod and the history uh, that uh, that that's how this goes. I'm not gaslighting you, audience. You're you you sound crazy right so now. The receipts are out there, folks. Sam, number one, Mitch <laughs> Rob guy. Yeah, I'm the Mitchell Robinson guy. What? I never said he was bad. You sound crazy right now. Are you okay? Yep. Yeah. Number nineteen, Jalen Green. A little high, I think, but Definitely I, I think it's. I mean, what is Jalen Green? What does he do? I'm sorry. What is <laughs> what does he we, do? We, what does he do? <laughs> like, yes, he, I I understand that he has been better at certain elements of his game. None of it, none of it feels meaningful to me. Not, I, he doesn't do anything at an above elite level except for I, be an athlete, like an above I, an average level. Let me put it this way. I'm done with Jalen Green in Houston. I would like to see Jalen Green go somewhere else. But it's all, I, I I always get worried with the young guys when we're always making excuses. Yes. <laughs> because like you're in you're in the three, you're in year three, and I understand that it was a terrible situation, but what are you laughing at? I'm laughing at Piss's comment. Jalen Green isn't even a top five Jalen under 25. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm going through it. It's close. It's close. Like <laughs> Anyway. So we'll see. Maybe Jalen yeah. can uh, contribute to winning basketball with improved defense and what and passing and whatever. But, like, he's still got to show it to me. Can I see it? 
Can I see Jalen yes, Green yeah, do anything? Yeah. That's yeah. that's a, that's a fine take to have. Yeah. I I still I still can't quit the one summer league game I saw Jalen Green his sophomore year where I was like, he looks amazing. He's ready to make the leap. It's and a like, common theme with the Rockets yeah, player. I, <laughs> I just I feel. I, I do feel like in a competent organization, like a team like utilizing him, he's he's gonna be a six man. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not gonna be a star in this league. There's no way. But if he's like, a six man, he shouldn't be on this list then. What's what's Tyler Hero? Yeah, you know, like I'm just saying I that mean, that's the kind of guy I see like him. You know what I'm saying? Like like not Tyler Hero is a better shooter than I think Jalen Green. But that's the thing is that I out. can at least cling on to Tyler Hero shooting. Like yeah. there's nothing that Jalen Green does at an above average level in the NBA except for be an athlete. And that hasn't really translated to his game all that much. Like, yeah. yes, he'll occasionally have games like last night where he's going up against Sacramento's defense and he he scores 23 points on five of nine from the field somehow. But mm. the majority of the games that I watch Jalen Green, I always come away being like, I felt like he either had no impact on the game or negative impact on the game. Yeah. And like, it's year three. And That's this powerful. is where it's like, this is where guys make the leap. This is where you separate yourself from you're either just another guy or you're a future star. And I don't think that he should be in the future star category. He has can done nothing say, to though, prove that he, he can do that. Can I just say, though, um, flirting. Kate Cunningham, uh, a lot of high volume on on bad shooting uh, for a team that's improved this year. Uh, Jalen Green, <laughs> harassment. You know, like, I mean, I, have I said that about Kate Cunningham? No, but I'm other just saying. People have. Other sure. people have, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it, I – there's there's reason to I, I'm not I'm not selling on Jalen Green quite yet I'm I'm getting there I, I'm 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 alarmed but I'm just I just need to see something I need yeah, to see something that fair. is meaningful and tangible and there has been and there has bar- barely been any of that so far in his career yeah, it's not to I say that it's impossible but based on the yeah. information that I have now yeah. I don't see it yeah um okay so Jalen Green was 19 Josh Giddy 18. Stinks. Stinks. Get him out of here. <laughs> I've watched one Thunder game all year and I've decided Josh Giddy's bad. And they need to trade him before the rest of the league figures it out. The one thing I will say about Josh Giddy yep. is that he had a nice FIBA run, uh, which sometimes translates. So far in year three, uh, he's had... I, I can't say I've watched the Thunder a ton. I, I would be lying to you if I said that I watched them. I can't really judge him based on that. I can only judge what I thought about him before, which was that I felt like he was always a little bit overrated, but I could see the flashes. I could see the upside. If the shot comes around, if he's able to be a more creative ball handler that gets to the line more and is a more effective driver that he's shown at times. But to Mm -hmm. me, Giddy's still more theoretical than actual too. Like just, a lot of these guys, you have to stretch your imagination to see what they can be. Yeah. Like I, I, I always say the six man of the year is a, a dog shit award because it's like, it's, it's basically who's the best player who doesn't help you win essentially is like what the award is. And I think that that's going to be Josh Giddy because Josh Giddy, what Josh Giddy does won't help a winning team. And he's not going to be good enough to like, make that impact. And he's certainly, he's not going to be a fit on this Thunder team. He's going to have to go to another team. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, 
I watched that Thunder game, and I came away thinking Lou Dort was more um, important to their, oh, their God. winning than, than Josh Giddy was. So. This is this is Piss's last two comments. Josh yeah. Giddy is built for teams don't actually need a point guard argument that I always make, which is yeah. that when you get to the further when you get further into the playoffs, why yeah. do you need a table setting point guard? Because your best players are just going to have the ball anyway. Right. So, like. And his other comment was, wow, this guy can't shoot or get to the line, but he does keep the ball out of our best player's hands, which is a good exactly, thing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, need, he needs him, Josh Giddy, and Jalen Green absolutely mm. need to show more in year three for me to be in on them as any potential star guys. I don't think that they've shown nearly enough. Now, Giddy and Green both have very different skill sets, but it's the same kind of idea to me. Like year three, it's it's got to be more than flashes. It's got to be consistency. He would need to like absolutely like transform his game. Like by the way, he like does have like the physical tools and like some capabilities to like be a good player. But I just think he's he would... tall. He's tall and he can pass. Same. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 sure. He's tall and he can pass. You know what I'm saying? But like he would need to just he would need to do so many things to make himself a winning player. And I just if I were Sam Presti, he would be the one I'd be dangling for like a star before yeah. everybody else figures it out. So, well, because yeah. I've talked a lot about this idea of what Oklahoma City is trying to build. Yeah. And one of the things that it feels like everyone can do in this mold on that team is dribble, shoot and pass. Yeah. And Giddy can dribble and pass, but he can't shoot. And like the shooting yeah. always caps your ceiling. And the only way I can squint and see something different with a guy like Giddy is if Chet is just like an elite stretch five, what it looks like it could possibly be if he could actually play the five consistently. And maybe that helps guys that aren't pure shooters. Like, for example, Kyle Anderson can play more in Minnesota because they have some stretch bigs. That kind of guy, like, maybe. But this is, like, we're describing a role player. We're not describing, like, for Josh Giddy to become a star, he basically needs to be a very elite shooter. And he's not that. And so far in his career, you know, look, he showed some improvements last year. We'll see what he does this year, but I, I'm I'm still a bit of a giddy skeptic myself. So um number 17, the other Oklahoma City player, Jalen Williams. Uh, just sorry. Uh well, that's way too low, first of all. Um that, that, that's the Jalen Williams, not bad Jalen Williams. Yeah, yeah, they don't have Jalen, they don't have big Jalen Williams on here. I feel like that's too low for him. Like he's like a real NBA starter right now and has a lot of fucking upside. Yeah, he I think the one thing that that he gets dinged for is that he was an older rookie, but like he was still really good at like 21. Yeah. And know. like he can I... kind of do everything that you want your wing to do in the modern NBA. Like I'm kind of with you. I think that I would have uh wing Jalen Williams higher. Like not a ton higher, but I think probably higher. You know what I'm saying? I think he's one of the better guys of the guys that we've mentioned. Like, I mean, the thing, the thing with Wing Jalen Williams and a few other guys that we'll talk about is there's production, and then there's conceptual. And Wing Jalen Williams, you don't have to be conceptual anymore. We know he's good, and he probably will get better based mm -hmm. on the majority of players throughout NBA history, despite the fact that he came in a little bit older as a rookie. So, um, and Jonathan commented that, uh, Josh Giddy will be working at, you know, ball by 2027. <laughs> Mo Bamba working at the ringer, Josh ball or Josh yeah. uh, Giddy working at, you know, ball. 
unbelievable. Yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have our supervisor Bud Christmas can uh, telling you, "Hey, Giddy, you gotta stay late tonight." Sorry, Bud. Sorry, sorry bud. you gotta you gotta break down this Cooper flag tape for us. Yeah, sorry. Um, also, but, you need you need to uh, you need to go uh, help. The Sam got himself stuck in the tree again. Uh, the cats are are have him treed again. <laughs> That's Giddy's yeah. job. Yeah, um, he's, he's got to chase the cats away so I can get down from the tree because they frightened me. But last yeah. thing on Josh Giddy and Jalen Green, mm-hmm. they very much have star skill sets in different ways that have not mm-hmm. lived up to that at all. And it's hard to fit them on good teams, which is why it's always been hard for guys like those two for me to see the projection. Yeah. But they, they, they I just need to see more. I, I don't, I don't see it with either of those guys. As stars, yeah. Um, like, Jalen Williams, I think I would. Yeah, I think uh, seventeen feels about right. I might have him a little bit higher, but once yeah. again, some of the guys as we get higher are like, oh, that guy's still only twenty four, or that guy's still only twenty three, and you forget. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Okay. So there are a few guys at the top of the list. We'll be like, yeah, those are no brainers. Okay. Um. Okay. So number sixteen, Franz Wagner. Okay. Maybe maybe just we've gotten to a, a good part of this list because like. My instinct is that Franz should be higher too, but I guess I, ju- I just don't know what the yeah. I mean, Franz is coming are. Yeah. Franz has had a bad start to the year, but we also we have a large sample of him being good, uh, and he is just been one of the best players from his draft class. He's still very young, and I would imagine will get better over the next few years. Kind of a jack of all trades, wing Jalen Williams and him kind of fall into the same bucket as players that's, in that regard. That's what I was going to say. They're actually kind of similar. Um, I think yeah. Franz has a little bit more creation, but I think, you know, um, yeah, I, I, they're similar enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that's, that's a, yeah. that's a fair comp. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I probably have Franz a little higher on this list. Um, number 15, Scotty Barnes, who we just talked about on the Patreon episode last week. I'd have him below. Franz, but maybe ahead of Jalen Williams, maybe. So Scotty's I guess been really about good to start the year. He's, I, I was so out on Scotty. I've, I've been kind of impressed by like what he's been doing, but he, he might be like the hyper version of the Josh Giddy thing where it's like, how good can you really be with Scotty as your best player? You know what I'm right. saying? Like we might just not have figured it out yet, but he actually but also has that, some defensive utility. And if he, and, and he has yeah. had at least a stretch here. Mm-hmm. at least a six or seven game sample where he showed he could shoot, <laughs> which yeah. I don't want to overreact to, but like if he's an above average three point shooter, that changes everything for my perception. Yes. Of Scotty Barnes. And and also like, if you gave Scotty, like, you know, it, like there's that, there's another thing to unlock here where like the Raptors have been a spacing tire fire for like the, pretty much the entire time yeah. he's been in the NBA. So like, I would be like very interested to see what Scotty Barnes look like, looks like on like a normal team too. So I'm willing to, I think that's a fine place for Scotty Barnes um, based on the other guys around him. I I think those guys are all pretty comparable to me. Yeah. I'm willing to reassess Scotty Barnes when we see a larger sample of him shooting, but 15 or higher is fine with me to be completely Uh, honest for where we're at right now. I think that's a good median because I still am very alarmed by the Ben Simmons thing that that came out last year, but he probably has a higher upside than some of these other guys we're talking about. So it's just in terms of like the shooting and stuff. So 
Okay, so this one is another one that I was like, the next two really, I was like, uh, this is way too low for me. Number 14 is Paulo Bencaro. It was like way, way higher for me. Way higher. Tell me the next one, because I don't, that's not my my instinct that like maybe a little higher. Like I would probably put Paulo like 10 or something, depending on where the, who the other guys I'm are. I'm looking at this list and I would have Paulo top five or seven. He's pretty good. He's pretty. I do. Do you? I don't know. I Paulo's great. Um, I want to see Paulo in games that matter a little bit more. You know, and I kind of want to see what he looks like. like. He's the 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 big wing, the spacing thing. You know, I don't. And if Paulo's not your number one, what's his utility? Okay, so Paulo to start the year is averaging eighteen points, six rebounds, and five assists. At uh, 47 31 splits to start the year, 1.6 steals, and he is still 20 years old. He turns 21 in a week. I just don't think that there are many guys that have his skill set. I think that there are very few guys that can be the number one of your offense, have a handle like a point guard, are 6'10, can drive, finish, shoot, pass. I feel like ball don't stop right now, but give, give him better spacing because Fultz has cannibalized their spacing. Suggs has cannibalized their spacing. Get that team healthy. Get them a real shooter in there. And if Anthony Black shooting is real or Gary Harris or whoever, they could trade for a Buddy Heald or an Anthony Simons or someone like that. I think that Paulo stock is only going to go up. I'm saying he's he's in my top five or seven if I'm redoing this list. And I'll have a full list on the Patreon episode uh, next week. But yeah, I think he should be way higher. Paulo is doing things at age 20 that we really have not seen from a lot of guys. And he looks like a superstar. Like, And he has, for the second straight season, looked like a superstar to start the season. And he's incredibly young with an incredibly difficult job. And he's better than a lot of players that are ahead of him already. Yeah. I was going to say, Tatum's probably the comp for him. So I guess I'm being a little... um dismissive of Paulo, you know what I'm saying? Like, like just in terms of like how I remember, I just like, th- there's something about Paulo when I watch him. Like I, I, like I see the, I see the stuff. I see everything going on. I just, something about me wants to just hold off until I see like the next iteration of the magic. I want to see what Paulo looks like on a good team because I'm not totally convinced Paulo is like a, a like number one, number one guy. And yes. I think that. Okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay. He, he has a 59% free throw rate. He had a 48% free throw rate last year. Those okay. are only superstars get to the line that much. And Cam Thomas. Who is it on this list, by the way? That's that's the that's the, the one that's fucked up. Here. The two that I was surprised yeah. were left off just because oh no, I guess Austin Reeves is already 25. I was yeah. gonna say I was gonna say I thought Austin Reeves would be included, but he's already 25. Cam I, Thomas was not included. It's 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 fine. I don't know. There's something. There's something going on there. I'm just. I'm just telling you by like the 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 void is speaking to me. You know how I'm a witch. I'm an eldritch god who uh, has some sort of. I just. I want to feel this out. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just there's something there that's holding me back from jumping in both feet on the Paulo thing. So the one thing you could argue about Paulo is that he isn't quite a good enough shooter to be the number one guy on a team. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'd also argue that, like, the Tatum-Giannis kind of mode of player, if they get to the line a ton and they have rim pressure and they have 
incredible handle for their size. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think that Paulo is, I, I, I remember on draft night, I was arguing with someone who said, I said, uh, they said that they were, uh, Paulo had too much Tobias Harris in his game. And I was like, yeah, but if Tobias had an elite handle and was a good passer and playmaker, he would be an all NBA player. So that's, that's that I, I, I think that I, I, I just think that people um, are sleeping on, like, I would have him I'm way not, higher on this. I'm, I'm not out on, I'm not out on Paulo by any stretch of the map, but I'm not like going to make him one of my guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm wrong about it, I'm just, there's something holding me back on Paulo. So I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with looking stupid when he has his like Tatum leap next year or whatever, whatever that comes. So, I mean, he could have that leap in three years from now because he's so young. That's the that's, thing. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 Uh, number 13 is another guy that I was very high on coming out of the draft that I think is about right, but I might have him a little bit higher just based on what he's done so far. And that's Chet Holmgren. Huh? I really like Chet. Chet's been amazing to start. I really like Chet and I was so out on him. I was, I was like being a Chet hater. I was like, he's not going to do anything. He's not built for the NBA. He's, uh, I was Jabari Smith guy in that yeah. draft. Like, I had Paulo and Chet I'm number one and two. By the way, I'm, don't ask I'm, me if I had Jaden Ivy three. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking owned, man. Like he's, he's, he's that guy. He's really good. Yeah. Like we talked about it before, but if like Wemby weren't in that this like rookie class, like I think Chet would be like all anyone was talking about. So yeah, no, totally yeah. agree. Really yeah. competent player on offense already. Yeah. Great shooter, ball handler. Incredibly efficient, yeah. uh, insane defender already <laughs> at yeah. his age. You got him kind of owning Evan Mobley in his first game they ever played against each other. Yeah, I, I was kind of alarmed by how like he made he made Mobley look like Daniel Gafford, man. Like it was tough out there. Like it was and and he just keeps doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like to guys, like his length is like a real fucking problem. You know, yeah. like it, it's I don't know. I guess these, I guess really tall, really long, skinny guys actually do have a utility. I, I, I have to get over my old man bias. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're, I was going to say the, 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 the new, the freaks just dropped Chet Holmgren and fucking yeah. Victor Webb and Yama freaks well, and, are in the house. And now Dude. I'm watching Porzingis every night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so it turns out these, these injury prone mega sized freak long guys are actually like really good. So yeah, I've got to, I've got to turn my head around that. So yeah, Chet's been really good to start, but I, I yeah. feel like this range is fine for him right now. But if we see this over the course of a year and he's available, like someone points out in the comments, then I think we're going to have to readjust kind of what his ceiling might be because he's really good already and he's a rookie. I mean, he I, is an older rookie. He's like 21, but still. I'd, I'd take him over everyone we just mentioned, including Paolo right now. So, Okay. I think I'd take Paul. I, I'd take Paulo yeah. over him, but I think everyone we've mentioned so far, I'd definitely take a Chet yeah. over. And there are a few guys that we might mention coming up that I would take Chet. I would take Chet and Paulo over them. Yeah. So uh, number twelve, Evan Mobley. No, I'm sorry. I like Mobley. I was, yeah. I was really impressed by the start of the, this year. Like Mobley might like. I don't know. Like. <laughs> Is is Evan Mobley good? Turn the TikTok camera on. Is Evan Mobley good? Like I I, I don't 
I was pretty clear. Evan Mobley is good. Yeah. He's not as good as I thought he would be by yes. year three. That's that's what I was. That's where say, I want yeah. to put it. He's good. He is a very good yeah. NBA player. When I saw him as a rookie and I saw him defending and playing yeah. the way that he did as a rookie and even the second yeah. year guy, yeah. I was like, wow, this guy is incredible. Very high floor. Yeah. Very high floor for because of the defense and because of the versatility and all that stuff. He's having he's having a a a, a tough since the playoffs, I would say in terms of potentially being exposed as uh, a not efficient offensive player, a not a, a, a kind of well-rounded jack-of-all-trades, but master of none on offense, can't shoot, uh, which is fine. If you put him at the five, you just got to kind of remove him from that context. But then, I don't know. I, I, I'm not out on Mobley by any means. I, I think Mobley's still really good, but... I think this range is about right for him, and I could see him in a year from now being lower on this list because of the the more data we acquire. Let's say the more the more yeah. you watch him, the more you're just like, man, I really thought he would be better by now. I'm 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 a little alarmed. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm I'm rapidly changing what my projections were for Evan Mobley, and I think I think if he played without Jared Allen, I think he would be better. Like I, I think yeah. that you know, like but. Then again, I watched him play without Jared Allen in that game, and it was still, you know, he was okay. But like, I, I was like, "That's an NBA starter," which is not what I thought about making KG fucking comparisons when I got a little over my skis last year. So yeah, no, he's. I was gonna say I, I was expecting I was expecting Mobley to be. Look, he's still 22. He's still got time to figure this shit out. But I was expecting him to be a no-brainer All-NBA guy in year three or four, and I just I haven't seen that yet. But still, I still think this is a fair placement based on what he's done so far in the NBA. Um. So, all right, let's get uh, on to the next one, which is number 11. And dear to my heart, Tyrese Maxey. By the way, I just want to say here before we talk about Maxi, thank you for fucking catching up to what we've been saying for fucking two years. Okay. <laughs> it was the 21st, 21st pick in the draft. So we got over overlooked for years. I've been saying he deserves to be higher on these lists. He's always in like the twenties and now he's up at 11. And honestly, that feels about right to me. And we'll see if what he's done so far against these kind of piss poor defenses is sustainable. But if he does this for a whole year, you're making the argument that I, I we're going to be sitting here from now making an argument he's top 10 next year, I think. Like, he's been – we talked about it. He's he's done anything that the Sixers want him to do. He doesn't turn the ball over. He gets to the line now. He's got elite touch. He's a good enough passer. His defense has been way better this year. He's, uh, he's just really good. He's an elite number two option for a good team. So I'm going to I'm going to put my arms up and let the trash rain down on me cuz I I'll I'll do the the cold water thing. Ooh. I want to see I want to see it for like more Can than games. I want to I just I think he's good. I think he's really good. He's definitely making a leap. I just before I put him above like Chet and Paul like just in terms of like long well, Chet range. Chet Paolo should be higher. <laughs> yes, I guess that's the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I guess that's just what I'm saying. Like Chet and Paul like if he's going to they put him above like Chet and Paolo, which is silly to me. But like, he's very good. Uh, he could be an All Star this year. I think he actually he probably will be an All Star this year. So yeah, I think um, so. you know, like I, I think that he's he's probably ultimately in the right place 
on this list because they're I'm getting a little alarmed at some of the names that you haven't said who should not be <laughs> this high. That's high, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Maxi is definitely one of the most fully formed. He's definitely the most of the guys we mentioned, he's definitely good right now, right? Like for sure. Yes. Like, like he's definitely the the best player right now in this moment. So um I just, you know, I, I do think that there and i think he could be like an uh an all-star type guy but i just don't know if he has like all nba upside and like some of these other you know things later on that's fair you're wrong i want to say a little more okay um (laughs) yeah check the numbers bitch um so (laughs) i'm glad that we have the 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 checks and balances here on this yeah exactly it's like we're uh this is crossfire yeah this is the no spin zone baby (laughs) yes um, so we have number 10. Is Tyrese Maxi? Look, you know, you're talking to your families and they go out and they want they want to see Tyrese Maxi. They want to see Tyrese Maxi play, but uh you know, you know, like it's uh, it is what is Tyrese Maxi? Is it is he something the liberal media cooked up? Like what 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 are we what are we really talking about when we're talking about offensive efficiency? Because last time I checked, Tyler Hero was a pretty good player. But but he doesn't fit into the Philadelphia liberal media. I was going to say, uh, you got to start this. defending Franz Wagner and uh, Chet Holmgren as well. Chet Their Holmgren. placement on this list. Yeah. You're doing Tucker Carlson. Do you know Jonathan Isaac comes off the bench? Jonathan Isaac <laughs> is a someone who uh, believes in Jesus pretty strongly. And yet the, the woke NBA has him coming off of the bench. <laughs> what is going on? This isn't disgusting. my NBA. It's disgusting. Who, who voted for this? It's not me. <laughs> maybe it's you. Not me. Maybe not it's me. your family. Maybe it's maybe it's the Tyrese Maxi liberal yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I miss him. Bring him. Bring him back, Fox. Bring him back. Number ten. Yep. Jaron Jackson Jr. Do I? I know he's Defensive Player of the Year, and like I'm gonna, I, I like I can see myself getting shit for this, but like he can't fucking rebound. And that's a pretty big fucking problem for a, a power forward slash center. <laughs> like, I mean, look, offensively, you would like more out of him. He's shown a little bit uh, in this last few games when, but they're also playing against Portland. Um, defensively, it doesn't get much better than Jaron Jackson Jr. Rebounding is definitely an issue. Um I think this is about right for him, but I'd also have the three guys behind him that I'd have above him. If we're projecting forward are Paulo Bencaro, Chet Holmgren, and I'll think of a little bit more about it. I might have Maxi over him. We'll see. I definitely have Maxi over him. This is so bizarre. Wait, why, why would you not have Maxi over him? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, they're close to me. They're similar to your players. I think, I think that, it, I, I think that if, offensively Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably never going to be better than the third best offensive player on a team, but he's also going to be the number one defender on any given team, even with some of the issues with the rebounding. I just don't think, I just don't think he like raises the floor in like the same way that like, honestly, we've seen fucking Chet do already in the way that we've seen, um, honestly, I give him shit, but like Gobert has this kind of defensive impact. I just don't think he has 
that real like defensive impact in that way. I mean, it's definitely there, but I think it's overstated, I guess is what I'm saying. So I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a little, I'm a little yeah. thrown off by the fact that he yeah. was so good in that warrior series two years ago and kind of kept Memphis in the series against well, the like team a team that went on to win the title. Well, I was going to say, and that's like a perfect team for him to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he, they've he really struggled. The Lakers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you see like what happened when they like ran into the Lakers and sure. like, I got bad news about like every team in the West. A lot of the best teams in the West have some sort of yeah. really good physical big. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right. So number nine is LaMelo ball who I have defended to death in the past. And I love his game just cause he's so much fun. He's a hooper. I'm, I'm saying it. Tyrese Maxey's better than LaMelo ball. LaMelo I'm there. Sashay away. He, he, I am. I am out on Lamelo Ball officially. Uh, sadly, it's a bummer, he, he but... just finally had his like amazing game that he had the other night against the Mavericks. In in a, they almost came back and won. He had thirty ten and thirteen, but it's just been like a calendar year since I feel like I've seen more than a calendar year since I've seen Lamelo consistently be good. He's just not. The player he once was it's really strange he, he could still he could still get back to that form and you know he still has that like he's better ceiling. than he's been of course yeah he's better than he's been he could say I, i'm being dramatic but like he could definitely still be like a really good player but i'm just uh, he's back in the can i see it zone for me you know what i'm saying like Look, you know, we've been like, we've defended yeah. Lamelo. he was so good as a 19 year old we were like yeah. oh this guy's like he had a historically good 19 year old season he took the hornets and made them respectable i just i don't really buy oh he's on the hornets argument anymore personally yeah i, I think got, charlotte I has burned. talent i got burned there like yeah. you know like i i'm, I'm starting to yeah i'm starting to Side eye a little bit, you know. I don't uh, think whatever. it's that bad of a situation. Gordon uh, Hayward is good. PJ Washington is good. Mark Williams is good. Like mm-hmm. Brandon Miller's been really good for a rookie. Like I, I just think that Lamelo, being as bad as he's been since he had that that injury, and then he got another injury, it's just a little alarming to me. I think that if you put him in a different context, sure, he's still an elite talent, dribble shoot pass guy, six foot eight. Absolutely. But I'm just saying, like, I think he might be a little bit of a Fugazi number one, and I'm taking the guy who I know is the for sure number two guy in Maxi over him. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. And I love I love LaMelo. It breaks my heart to say this, but um, okay. So let's move on to number eight, who is Darius Garland. I get this is fine for Darius Garland. It's fine. Like overall in the scheme of things, I think there are guys behind him that he should probably be ahead of. Again, I think on it, I know he's made an all-star game and some of these other guys haven't, but like, I think I would probably take Chet above him. Um, (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. Darius Garland is another guy that I feel like he was terrible to start his career, like legitimately one of the worst players in the NBA, had a nice come up, made an all-star team, is a great passer. Kind of an underrated defender, really good shooter. Yeah. I like Darius Garland, but like this is like the pendulum swung too far the other way. Yeah, you know? it's possible. You know like you know what I'm saying. Like I, I think he's a really good player. I don't know if, like, are you going to be shocked if Darius Garland doesn't make the All Star team this year? Like, no. 
He probably won't. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just would you rather have? Would you rather have Darius Garland or Tyrese Maxey? It can, it would do, obviously depend on my team composition, but yeah. like in general, I think Maxi. To be totally honest, because he just he's bigger and stronger. Like, isn't he? Isn't Garland only like six one or like six? They're, they're both about the same size, I think. But I I do think Maxi's a, a Maxi's stronger though. Like Garland always looks small, yeah. and I don't think I never like look at Maxi and be like, wow, that's um, you know, he he doesn't belong on it. Like he always looks smaller than like. A lot of the other guys, but he never he, he always looks the same size. Yeah, so Garland is apparently six one. Um he is small. Yeah. Maxi's six three, technically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I would probably just take Maxi for the size and long term outcome if we're doing these kind yeah, of guards that are in the same class yeah. from the 2019-2020 draft. For me, yeah. it's like if I'm doing long term, like what I think they could become, I'd probably go Maxi Lamello Garland. And I like, I like, I, I, I'm worried about LaMelo for sure, but I, I like the idea of a six foot seven guy more yeah. than I like a, a guy that is six one. Wow. And, 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 and like Maxi has such elite speed and not yeah. that Garland doesn't, but like Maxi has had games in the playoffs that have shown me that he belongs more so than Garland has this far in his career. Yes. And that, and that, I guess that's, that's the thing is I think Garland has, you know, I think he has a higher floor than Lamelo, certainly, but he's also like, you know, he just doesn't have that upside, really. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think that's just going to be who he is for the rest of his career is a really good starter who every once in a while makes an All Star game. You know, like so. And I yeah. think that's fine. I think that's fine. I think he's a really good player. You know, like he's yeah. good. Yeah, he's very good. I like him. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Number seven, Zion Williamson. There is no way we have not gotten to Cade fucking Cunningham. Yet. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Are you fucking serious, man? You're going to say Zion Williamson before you say Cade Cunningham? What, what, what is the big problem with Zion? That he, oh, he misses a lot of games? What the fuck did Cade do last year? <laughs> Are you serious? This is insane. This is insane. I'm sorry. I, like, sat on it for a while. You can't put Zion Williamson in. Like, Zion Williamson is a top five player when he's healthy. Just is right now. He's not like, top five, but he's very good. He's up there. He's fucking up there. <laughs> like, yeah, Zion. I mean, look, ding him for all availability you want. He should not be number seven on this list behind number six, Cade Cunningham. Zion, like, I get it. Like, everyone's going to rate that a different way. Zion, the, the the player Zion is when he's on the court is far and away a way higher caliber than every other player we've mentioned at this point. Like, and it's not close. So Phil, Philly Cummins said, Zion is a top 10 player when healthy, but what if there was a player that played just as much but was also bottom, bottom 10? 10? Yeah. Oh my God. They can't keep getting away with it. I don't want to be mean to Cade. I want to like the, the Pistons, but why do they keep doing this? Be normal about Cade. Be normal. It's, God damn it, dude. It's it's pretty shocking. Uh, one of the funniest things that I saw was mm-hmm. someone shared. If someone can uh, send the exact uh, language in the article, I found it to be very funny. But the, the lead-in for Cade's part mm-hmm. was really funny to me. Because it just, the his top thing on his resume was, Cade Cunningham was the number one pick in the 2021 draft. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cunningham was the number one pick in a strong 21 draft full of budding superstars. First off, there are not a lot of budding superstars for the 2021 draft at all. Who was who was in that draft even that I like? Is that Jalen Green? Is that that? That's draft? Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Franz Wagner. I would call none of these players budding superstars. A very good players, none of them are budding superstars. Budding superstars. superstars? Chris Duarte, <laughs> budding, budding superstar. Star yeah. like Oh my god. Yeah, this this draft was like Shengun was in it was Shen, yeah. like the third best player in this draft when it's all said and done. Like I don't know. Like if you have a crazy like if if you told me this two years ago, maybe like all these guys looked really good their rookie years. Yeah. So, so like maybe that was maybe that was fine. But yeah. I feel case, like yeah. we just have some insane delusion about this draft class that it's filled with like. It's filled with a lot of guys who might make all-star teams. Yes, it is not filled with a bunch of top future top ten players. That's just nobody. Not is, the there's there's no Anthony Edwards in this draft. There's no Luka Doncic in this draft. There's no. There is a Cam uh, Thomas though, which is more important. Cam Thomas, in this draft. Cam Thomas right. not on this list. Asar Thompson, as someone pointed out, not on this list. So I mean, it sounds like we're not getting Jalen Johnson if we've already had fucking Zion. Oh Williams. no, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson's not even close. Akangwu and Jalen Johnson were not included on the list. Akangwu is more of a role player, but yeah. I mean, Jalen Johnson's shown me some things. I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's definitely shown me he's 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 nice with it. He's better than Jalen Green. I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. So yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I'd agree with that. He's, he's um, better than Dave Cunningham, <laughs> who's okay. apparently six or higher. So I, it's unfortunate because it just feels like, I feel like I'm in the Truman show. Yes. With Kane. Yes. Cause like I watch the games and I see some improvements. I think the mid range game, when he's able to create his own shot looks great. I think that, um, he had a streak earlier this year where the three point shot was falling earlier this year. There's been eight games. That's like, he takes 20 shots a game. He shoots 41% from the field and he averages 23 a game. He never gets to the line. He turns the ball over more than any player in the entire NBA. And it's not, everyone keeps saying, oh, spacing, spacing, spacing. Watch the games, dude. He has some really careless turnovers. They're not because everyone's packing the paint. It's because he has a loose handle and he's careless with the ball. He has over a 20% turnover percentage to start the year. The only guys that have that level of turnover percentage are the Luka Doncic, Russell Westbrook, heliocentric guys who have the ball every single possession, basically, and are reckless with it, but also make up for that, especially a guy like Luka, who's an elite three-level scorer. That's also one of the three best playmakers in the NBA and is a legit MVP candidate level talent. Like... The improvements from Cade are 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 less massive leaps like everyone is making them out to be and more like he's making progress like any young player you would expect. And I just keep talking about this excuse thing over and over and over again, but it feels like there's never been a player that gets as many excuses as him. To have him six on this list is beyond insane to me. Like, he has to become either an elite shooter or something else that he is not 
to be that high on this list. There's there's no way he's better than Paulo Bencaro for the next five years. There's just no way. Paulo's yeah. someone put this perfectly. Chet Holmgren has been in the NBA for six games, seven games, and he's already better than Kid Cunningham's ever been in the NBA. Now, is his context a little better? Sure. But also, it's year three, and we talked about some other guys in, in year three. You need to you need to show me more. Like this is not this is not a charity case. Like yeah. it's, it's it's going it's going it's going insane. Like I I just feel like I'm it, like I said I feel like I'm in the Truman Show. I feel <laughs> like I I feel like what am I missing that everyone else is seeing? If he can develop the shot from three more, he could be a great second or third player on a team. For now, he is way overtasked as a primary creator, and I don't see that getting any better personally. I I really thought this was the year we were going to be normal about Cade and Cade was going to be like, <laughs> okay, and like and just like I, I I can't help it. I want to be normal about Cade, but <laughs> all the NBA media needs to stop being insane about him. It's crazy. Like I give it up. It's okay. Sometimes the number one pick in the draft, often the number one pick in the draft is not the best player in the draft. That is okay. He will still be a top seven player in this draft, probably when it's all said and done, but you've got to be normal. You have got to be normal about this. Please. I am begging you. I, my sanity, I can't take another, it really is like Eldritch. It's like Lovecraftian where I just yeah. keep getting shown like somebody's head splitting apart and like the tentacles ripping out. And it's like, Oh, here's a normal human. God damn it. Another <laughs> Eldritch being. Fuck. I got to go back to Arkham. Fuck. It's, it's beyond it. wild. Yeah. Was he number six? Tell me he was number six. He was six. Okay. Number five. Mm-hmm. Number five is John Morant. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I mean fine yeah. based on the production, fine based on what he showed. I hope that he can yeah. come back and be normal. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. Be normal. Be normal. The theme for die. I don't want to talk about John Morant. John Morant bores me at this point, but yeah. he's, yeah, he is what he is. You know, we, we, yeah. we, we, we know the deal with John Morant. Number four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just went on this whole fucking psychotic rampage about Cade. What am I missing? That, that's a great short. Answer. That's a great shorthand for like YKB, where like John ja Morant, like the the lightning rod of the league. Everyone's gonna have an opinion, <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it's, yeah it is what it yeah. is. Really like good. Cade, Cade is like, I will fucking kill myself if we don't stop talking about Cade. Just screaming at the top of my lungs. Like I am, I am like uh, over it. That's a uh, that's that's the YKB guarantee, folks. We're we're out on this. Oof. All right. Number four, Tyrese Halliburton. High. Very high. I've been kind of saying I this for like a year now, personally, but yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah. You know what? I think it's okay. I think it's okay. It's it's it, my first blush was that's really high for Tyrese, but that's I think that's about right. He's pretty, good. He's pretty good though. Yeah. As I'm thinking through it, like top, top 10, you could make an argument that Tyrese Halliburton is a top 10 shooter and a top 10 passer in the NBA. He's yeah. the engine of the number one offense in the NBA. And yes, some of that is pace stuff because they run like crazy and they are the Pacers. Yeah. But he's really good, dude. Like he's really the, good. The defense is, is bad, but he's, he's good. Like he, yeah. he, he is, I think four is a perfectly fine placement for him. He's been, he, the only guys below him, I think that have a legit argument to be ahead of him. If we're really projecting for me are the guys that I would say like, okay, you, I can hear you out are John Morant, Zion Williamson and Paulo Bencaro. Yeah. 
But because and, of the availability with Zion, I'm like, I think I'd rather go with yeah. Halliburton. And because of the weird shit with Ja, I'd rather go with him. And yeah. I think I would have Paulo in this range. Yeah. And Halley's, Halley's been an engine for like a good offense before. So like, it's yeah. absolutely true. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Pacers have the number two offense in the NBA right now, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. My, my Again, my initial reaction is too high, but. Thinking I think through this it, is I think about right. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's about thinking right. Through it. Yeah. Okay, number three, Victor Wembanyama. It's gonna sound insane. I I was all ready to be the Wemby Zag guy, but like, nah, he's 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 him. He's him. He's still nineteen, dude. Like, yeah, like it's that, insane. It's insane that, how good he is. That game the other night that Zach talked about on his podcast. I can't even remember who they were playing. Yeah. Who were they Who's, even playing? I don't even remember the Suns. Were they playing the Suns? Suns. I think it was the Suns, yeah. Dude, maybe. I was like, when he hit that three at the top of the key and just the fucking plays that he was able to make, all like the, the flashes that we've seen already, like he deserves to be this high, if not higher. Like the only reason I think that the guys that are ahead of him are ahead of him is because they've been bulletproof all-stars already. Yeah, and exactly. like potential all of it. Like, I mean, Luke is obviously higher than. Well, that's what I, was, I was. I was trying to figure out who two is. If it's not, you know, like, take a guess. Luca is Jason Tatum. Is he? No, he's not on the list anymore. No, yeah. he's 20, 25 now, going on twenty six. SGA is also too old. Oh, and duh. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Anthony yeah, Edwards duh. is two. Yeah. Okay. That's and that's fine. That's honestly that top three makes total sense to me. Um, I, I think that's completely correct. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's fair too. I mean, I, I look, if you really want to go crazy with the projection, I think you could say Luca one, Victor two. Mm-hmm. And I love Anthony Edwards to death and he's already proven it. And, and maybe you do have concerns that Victor will eventually get injured, but now nah, he's the best prospect since Luca coming into the league and like is already doing alien shit in year one in month, two, not even a full month of his career in. And He's not going to be perfect all the time. He's going to have his issues. But when the shot's falling, there's no one that can do shit like him in the NBA. Like, he's just an absolute freak. And it was that game to watch the other night was just like, I was like, this guy's not real. This guy Mm -hmm. is is not real at all. So, yeah, that's totally fine. I think the end of this list is completely fine. The top four, I top five, really, I don't have an argument with. It's just anything beyond that is I felt like I was going a bit insane with some of these picks. So. I'll make mine and have it on the Patreon episode next week. So if you want to hear, or end of the week. So if you want to hear that, subscribe to the UW Patreon. Join us for the playback streams. All that shit. We'll be doing uh, Celtics Sixers on Wednesday. I hope that you can join. And uh, anything else you want to say? No, no. uh, um, Check us out. Um, You know, uh, if you are a sponsor, um, feel free to reach out to us um, and we will, um, you know, try to do our best to accommodate yes. you. Um, I see Jonathan Isaac is launching his Judah one shoes in the, in the comments. You see that? I, I can't wait. I want to get in those comments. Cause I'm sure there's going to be some ladies, some, some heat? 78 year old ladies being like, no, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan you Isaac. Can't, if you're you listening, can't name the beast, don't name the beast. <laughs> yeah. If you want to sponsor the podcast, Jonathan, mm-hmm. You know, ballpod at gmail.com. Reach out to me. Yes. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Peace.